Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Napkins, uh, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the warm indoor studio deep in the heart of Yorkshire, England, where I am buzzing. I can't mess about and tease you and pretend to be lukewarm on this, but this episode made me very happy and relieved. I pulled the old mantra out of the bag last week. Trust the show. And I think it paid off. Let's just hope it continues. And at this point, I don't see any reason why not. Thanks for your feedback about last week's podcast. And my thanks again to Kim for joining me. I don't think we went particularly long with the review last week, but the overall podcast did. And I'm sorry if anyone's finding a two hour podcast a bit too much to chew on. Uh, I did one week uh, split them into a review and then a feedback episode, but I know many of you like to hear both. And for those who are more interested in the review only, then I guess you can always just switch off when you've had enough. So I think I'll just carry on producing these as one podcast. I get a feeling we might go long this week, too, as there's so much to dissect. We'll see how we go. But before we do, I want to say thank you to my most recent patrons carl pauletta janelle gaylard and melinda winner thank you thank you your support is so appreciated anyone else who would like to support the podcast you can do so for as little as a pound a month by visiting patreon.com slash dissecting dexter which brings me to my guest this week who is a patreon himself which i thank him he's been on the podcast several times before and indeed i had the pleasure of joining him on his podcast hungry for hannibal back in the day in pennsylvania it's mike lanich hey mike hi gareth uh glad to be here i get to talk about some some dexter and we got a lot to talk about we certainly have yeah thank you for joining me it's good to have you back now I'm really intrigued to find out what you thought of this week's episode, because I think it's fair to say and feel free to disagree <laughs> that you've you've had the uneasy honour of being the one who has perhaps found the most to criticise this season, certainly from the feedback I've received here. Of course, that's not to say you're wrong. You've presented really good arguments for your points. And you've not been the only one to have had some issues with what's happened on occasion. But after this week, I have high hopes that you might have enjoyed this one a lot more. Are you back on board? Yeah, for the most part. I, mean, I do think that there is a lot to really love uh, about this episode. I really did enjoy um, most of what I saw. And I do have some some things that uh, I'd like to get into eventually here. But, you know, and I think if you look back over the course of this whole season, I don't really have a problem with most of the things that have happened. It's mostly been the details. It's the, the broad strokes have been great. It's, um, it's feeling like sometimes things like they come a little too easy. Like the Batista thing last week. Um, you know, that was a, a good example of like, yes, I really love that. I love seeing Angel and, uh, you know, that whole thing in general is fine, but it's like we need to accomplish X and this is just the quick way to get there. And so maybe, you know, we need a really quick scene instead of maybe stretching it out longer so it doesn't feel so, you know, contrived, you know, where all this information is being supplied very very quickly in a very very short period of time 
and you know would that really happen like that eh. but i mean for mm-hmm. the most part i feel like the show and what it's trying to do and the themes uh you know fatherhood all that stuff it's really working well you know the harrison stuff for me is just really rocking i i think that harrison and in the relationship with dexter that stuff for me in particular is just rock solid you know um mm. but it's just some of the other things i'm like ah i just I wish you know you would supply a little more detail <laughs> to make it feel like it's earned and that's kind of been the thing where i've just been a little like oh, i need i need that i need that uh the writing to maybe be a little sharper here and uh but but on the whole, I've really enjoyed myself. I know it sounds critical every week, but I, I really do enjoy, you know, the things that I have been seeing overall. Yeah, yeah. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's that's fair. And and I know I know that you you you. It's only because you care and you want the show to be great, don't you? Uh, you there's no denying you're a huge fan of the show. And um, perhaps perhaps I've been a little bit unfair calling you uh, the most critical, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you did use that phrase about the broad strokes being good and that the um, uh, the problem perhaps was sometimes in the details. Uh, I think you have used that phrase in your feedback this season. So um, maybe I've done you a little injustice. No, which I, I, I apologize I, if I have. <laughs> I think, you know, in in. I guess, and I've thought about this actually, you know, I think that, uh, I think when I, when I think about the best of Dexter, of course, like most people, you think about the Clyde Phillips era and having recently watched the entire series over again. And I hadn't, you know, done that since the show ended. Uh, what really struck me beyond all the things people talk about is just, how sharp the writing was and the plotting in particular um, really seemed like they they really mapped out what the whole season was going to be in each episode for each character and how they were going to get there. And so it all felt so well-crafted. And so I, I think maybe my issue, I guess, is when there's times like that where I don't feel like they've kind of hit that, I'm kind of like, come on, Clyde, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little let down here. You know, I'm expecting, mm-hmm. you know, seasons one through four Dexter in terms of like the way they plot things out and they make sure things line up almost like a puzzle and, it, you know, being so well done. And, you know, I could be just overly critical because I am just I want <laughs> I want it to be so amazing because like, we all want, you know, to get that kind of quality that we experienced, uh, especially back during the initial, you know, four seasons of Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's the bar that we are holding this that we're comparing this to, isn't it? It's the Clyde Phillips bar. Uh, not not what happens subsequently. I think we're we're we we've all been hoping and expecting this to um to be somewhere in that in that vicinity in that area, aren't we? Especially when there's been so long to plan it and think about it. And it was all written and and it was all scripted, wasn't it, before they even um started filming. Uh, it was all uh, everything was um was locked in. Who are you? Are you Dexter Morgan? Or are you fucking Goldilocks? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. 
It's a lot cleaner than Deborah Morgan's vocabulary. Here we go then. New Blood, episode six. Too many tuna sandwiches. You've got to love that title. There's been some doozies this year. <laughs> and I'm sure this won't be the last. Original air date, the 12th of December 2021. Written by Scott Reynolds and Warren Shoe Leonard. Directed by Marco Siega. So, we open this week with Harrison doing chores around the cabin, which for a moment I thought, wow, that's really nice of him, perhaps trying to build a bridge. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, Kurt said, (laughs) be nice to the one that's pissing you off. (laughs) However, it's not bad advice. Being nice to someone can be disarming. And often in a conflict, it takes one person to hold out the olive branch. And this could be it. I liked the Deb and Dexter dialogue here, sounding like he thinks things are going to get better with the therapy and that he's done the right thing, kind of congratulating himself. And then she tells him uh, not to read the application form sticking out of his bag, but out of Harrison's bag. But he does it anyway. And you just know that Harrison might see this as another invasion of privacy. Harrison comes in and his demeanor's pleasant. He's being nice, essentially saying thank you for putting him up. It's it's like that olive branch. Dexter could have built on this, repairing some of the damage done before. But his whole manner just left me thinking, oh, for heaven's sake, do you you want a good relationship with your son or not? Of course, we know he has concerns about Kurt Caldwell, but only based on why he's lying about Matt. Not that he's a serial killer or anything. Not yet. Anyway, did you feel a bit annoyed with Dexter here? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I I did. I I think... um... You know, one of Dexter's problems is just his, his lack of communication skills, which we've known for a long time uh, has always been a real problem and just makes you wish that he could speak, you know, and, and try to, you know, just try to connect. I know he's trying in some respects with Harrison, but at the same time, it just feels like every time he's given the opportunity to make some progress with him he makes the absolute worst decision um at least it seems like that like on the whole you think okay you know if you think that harrison has hurt somebody you want to confront him but at the same time like he just comes right out and says you know what's this and why do you have it and you know like there's no subtlety there and and so i think i don't know i feel like with this this was an opportunity for Dexter to work with Harrison and say, Hey, you know, I want to give you this opportunity and, you know, and explain himself. He doesn't, if he doesn't want Harrison to kind of do this, it's like, okay, fine. Just um, talk a little bit. Speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like Dexter's not learning here. He's, they've had, as you say, they've had several interactions that haven't gone well. And I know he's on a very steep learning curve here, but he's still on a learning curve. And you'd expect after the first couple of times where the the um, what's the phrase I'm looking for, like the, the um, tackling, tackling it head on and just coming straight out with it and asking Harrison outright, what's this? What's this? What have you done? Um, after the first couple of times where that's not worked, you'd think he'd 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 have enough about him to think well let's try a different approach but he's not is he 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 keeps he keeps trying it the same way and uh and and that's that's frustrating to watch 
Um, and and I guess I guess story wise, they need this um, this rift to be there to um, enable what's going to what's going to happen with with Kurt and what has already started to happen. But I don't know. I'd, I would have liked to have seen some some hint that Dexter's learning. Um, I mean, even even through Deb, he tried to tell himself, no, don't don't look in the bag. Don't look in the bag. Don't read it. He'll show you himself. But he did it anyway. He couldn't help himself. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, if you remember, I think it was back when Quinn was introduced uh, in the original run. And remember how Deb used to go in to interview a suspect and she had only one as Quinn, I think, <laughs> one tool in her box, which was like the hammer. Yeah. It took Deb a little while, but eventually she did learn to employ different, you know, tactics and stuff. And she she did progress and she did learn. Uh, yeah, with Dexter, I guess you could say the same thing, but at the same time, like he needs to maybe learn a little quicker. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember that. I think that was the phrase Quinn used, wasn't it? About one um, one tool in the box. <laughs> yeah. OK, so next we see it's a bit of a disturbing scene. Kurt's trying to sculpt something to rebuild the hole in Chloe's face. It's pretty grim <laughs> and a bit shocking when he gets frustrated again and punches her face repeatedly, mercifully off camera. Again, acting like a toddler. <laughs> I, I think it confirms that it was Kurt who was draining the body of blood a couple of weeks ago. He'd dressed Chloe's body in a gown or something. It it still feels to me like he's got some kind of victim museum. And at some point we'll see them all set out somewhere, perhaps in the cabin. Mike, did you have any thoughts about this scene? And do you think Kurt's acting alone? Because although everything we've seen suggests that he is, we've got feedback this week to suggest that not everyone believes that. Yeah, I I, I know why people would say that. And to be honest, I, I kind of agree. Uh, I can't like I, I can't remember his name. Is it Olson? Yes, Olson. You know, we haven't seen him in quite a while, and. You know, if he's not on screen, you don't think about him that much. And that's, you know, when when shows do that, movies do that. That's that's a point. They keep them off screen. You're not thinking about them until they, they need to bring them back for a particular reason. And, you know, I think this is a good theory that maybe somehow these two are connected. Maybe they're working together. I know it's been a theory that has been out there for for a number of weeks now. Um and I've thought about that too. I, I don't discount it at all, but I just feel like he's got to have some role on the show. And so far it's been very, very minor. You might do that if you're really trying to kind of hold that ace back for later uh, in the show. Um, so that I think is a good possibility. And I will say I was critical last week of Kurt. Um, I, the way things that, played out there I, um, with the way that he shot uh, the girl. I, I was like, ah, man, you're not really frightening me that much. But I got to be honest, um, he was definitely, for, at least for me in this episode, he was definitely a lot scarier. Uh, that scene when he was, you know, punching her on the table, um, 
that was pretty disturbing to say the least yes yeah it was and and i'm glad it was off camera like it reminded me of um the ear cutting scene in reservoir dogs where the camera deliberately pans away uh, and it's all in your mind imagining what what it looks like although we do see the initial punch then then it, we just cut to his face don't we and and see the the frustration and anger on his face good performance of course from Clancy Brown who, who continues to uh, to do good work and and as you fairly say he's he's particularly good this week uh, and we'll, we'll get to some more Kurt stuff a bit later in the episode and it's it's good stuff next we have Angela pulling over Dexter on the road harking back to episode one and Dex probably thought he was in for a little treat but <laughs> we know she's got another surprise in store she is seriously pissed off. <laughs> we we still don't know how she got from her conversation with Batista to printing out Dexter's obituary. And we find out it wasn't because of any conversation with Molly, who seems to have no suspicions about Dexter. In an interview, Scott Reynolds mentioned about Angela doing some homework about it. And that's most likely. But what we saw on screen last week seemed too brief to make that huge leap. I guess... We should let that one go, because regardless of that, I love the scene in her office with Dexter. I thought it was really well scripted with Dexter telling the truth, not all of the truth, but the facts he gave her were true. Uh, Mike, what did you expect from Angela here? I thought last week that she'd probably empathise and understand why Dexter might run away. But if she did have any empathy, it was certainly secondary to her anger at being lied to. And about him abandoning his son. I thought it was well done. I, I totally agree. I think it was exceptionally uh, well-crafted scene. I particularly like how she didn't interrupt him. Um, you know, she didn't offer a lot of sympathy, which is what I expected. I thought that when he brought up Rita's death and Deb's uh, death, that, you know, she would, her tough demeanor would crack in that moment and she would you know feel sorry and feel sympathetic towards him and i'm sure she does i I don't doubt that she feels sympathetic but you couldn't tell by watching that scene like she didn't bat an eyelash Mm. uh, because at the end of the day you know she is mad at him you know here's a guy that she's been with for quite a while and he he's been lying to her like, like you said, I've been calling you Jim all this time. Yeah. And you're not. You're, you're, you're this Dexter Morgan. I don't, I don't know who Dexter Morgan is. I know who Jim is, and now I don't know who Jim is. So, uh, I like, but I like how she didn't interrupt him. She let him talk, and you know, he got his whole thing out, and uh, you know, gave her an opportunity to respond. And uh, I just, and one thing I really liked about that scene is that as Dexter's telling his story, he's constantly checking to see how it's playing. He has a constant kind of like glancing up. Is this resonating? Is this working? Mm. Is, is Am I getting any sympathy here? Do I need to modulate anything? Need, you know, so it's kind of, it's weird how he can be so clueless in with Harrison, but when he is, uh, when he's lying, when he's well, I mean, I guess in this instance he's not really lying, but when he's telling a story and trying to get a certain reaction, 
he's actually pretty good at kind of like checking to see how things are working and maybe kind of modulating his performance as it goes along. Uh, at least that's what I got out of it. I, I just thought he kept like looking to see what her reaction was. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I think it's fair to say that he was in a certain, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a certain uh, mode of self-preservation there. And um, he was he was focused. I mean, he, he was completely blindsided by uh, by the surprise from Angela. He wasn't expecting that at all. I think her reaction as being outwardly one of complete anger and and um feeling let down and i don't know betrayal if that's if that's the right word um i think that was quite a normal human response i think underneath as you say she was probably feeling hearing his story thinking my god what you've been through uh but for now her her focus is on the impact it's had on her and not empathizing outwardly certainly with with how he might have felt at the time how bad he must have felt to do what he did dexter admits oh sorry go on no i agree um i think that uh she has a of course any every right to be angry uh in this moment and hurt uh you know she i'm sure she thought hey we've had a really great thing going on for quite a while and i mean who knows maybe she was thinking further ahead you know maybe soon they you know maybe they were going to move in together maybe she thought that might be a possibility who knows yeah but you get the sense that she has viewed jim as someone who's a real stability in her life and now all of a sudden that that stability is gone that that rock that pillar is is turns out it's not a pillar of rock it's a it's something a lot more malleable than that clearly and uh you know, one thing I, I was going to ask you is, are you surprised that she didn't bring up Batista, like as in, oh, hey, by the way, I spoke to this guy who knows you uh, from Miami Metro, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Were you a little uh, surprised or, or do you um, think that was just because you need him to kind of focus on Molly later? Yeah, at, at the time. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah. Because they needed, yeah, plot-wise, they needed Dexter to focus on Molly, which drove what he did later in the episode, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So maybe that was that was a uh, a, a plot device, a, a choice by the writers not to have her mention Batista, and perhaps she, perhaps as far as Angela was concerned, she wanted to say as little to as as little to him as possible. In fact, I think she says, didn't she? I, I don't want to spend any more time with with Jim Lindsay right now. And, and sent him packing and maybe she was um in, in the moment not not thinking completely clearly herself because she's you know obviously been knocked sideways by the revelation uh herself so um yeah i must admit while i was watching it i didn't think about batista i was so into the scene and and listening to what dexter was saying and watching for her reaction to see if she gave him anything any glimmer and there was there was something in her eyes that that made me think she was feeling some some empathy but um she wasn't going to make it easy for him (laughs) i think she's she's far too angry at the moment dexter admits that he wanted to die when he he uh, sailed his boat off into the hurricane something that wasn't expressed in the season finale it was presented more like he was always 
manufacturing um, his own death. Now, this feels like Clyde Phillips retconning here. I mean, you can understand why Dexter would be driven that to that point, couldn't you? Yeah, I, I, I can see that, you know, I, I thought about that, too, when that information came out, like he was attempting to kill himself. Uh, you know, because who would drive towards a hurricane, really? Um, it was always ludicrous that he actually survived. Uh, and I like that they didn't go into any more detail than they really hmm. had to. <laughs> Obviously, he's like, I drove towards the hurricane. I wanted to kill myself. And, you know, I happened to survive. And I figured, you know, a second chance. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know what their options are here. I yeah. think, honestly, all things considered, they made the best out of a not so great situation in terms of trying to kind of explain that away, I guess. Yeah, because if you think about it logistically, I mean, I've just been watching a, a TV show tonight, a documentary about lifeboats and hearing about how quickly people can get can get hypothermia uh, in, in, in the sea. And it doesn't take long. Um, and out in the hurricane, there aren't going to be um, no help is going to come, is it? <laughs> no. um, so I don't think he'd last long. But I think we have to, as you say, just accept that we're not going to get anything better than that. And um, and just move on from that now. So uh, do you think we can believe Dexter here when he says how happy he's been in Iron Lake with Angela? Coupling this with what he said at dinner was it two weeks ago about having a family around him or something to that to that effect when he sat around the dinner table with Angela and Audrey and Harrison? I'd like to believe it, but we know how he's always wanted to be in a place where he can just be himself. Ultimately, no secrets or lies or hiding. He's killed again recently, twice. The, the dark passenger hasn't gone. Said, so did you believe him when he said how happy he's been? You know, I do. I do believe it. Um, I think with uh, with Dexter, there's always been two sides to him struggling. Uh, you have the side that wants to be himself, of course. The the side he was with Hannah, where he could just be himself and and not have to hide anything and not wear a mask. And then you have the other side that wears the mask. On one hand, I think that he really wants a family. It's what he had with Rita, and I don't think he really knew what he had until it was gone, until Rita died. And uh, I think, if anything, I think Rita's death reinforced the fact that a family was very, very important to him. Uh, so when I, th I think he does yearn for a family, but he knows, with the exception of Hannah, most likely, you know, he's not going to be able to be himself and have that family at the same time. So what do you do, right? Well, clearly you're not going to be yourself, not going to work, not here, not in just about anywhere. So I think he, he does say, all right, look, this is the best thing I can actually have. This is the closest thing I want to have. I can't be myself, but I'm going to, I'm going to have this family. Now, so I think he's an iron lake. And when you think about it, up until he kills Matt Caldwell, he's been living here for, for what, two or three years? Mm, yeah. Uh, he's been in a relationship with Angela for, I don't know if they actually say how long they've been together, but, you know, you get the assumption that they've been together for a while. And I just, I think that he looks around, 
he sees this woman who he clearly likes. Uh, he seems to be close enough with Audrey. And now he's got his, his son with him. To him, I think this is like the best he can legitimately hope for. It's the closest thing to a happy ending for him. Mm. So, yeah, I do think that he it's not part of the story, at least in my opinion, uh, just a way of saying, oh, I really, you know, this is what I've always wanted. I think he actually says that and I think he actually believes it. I think he really wants that. And, I, and you know, he's this close. Well, she breaks up with him. Right. So, yeah, he's already losing it. But I, I do believe him, actually. Uh, what did you yeah. think? Do you, do you know what I'm? I'm with you, and I don't. I don't think I could have put that any better myself. I think you've um, you've, you've summed that up really nicely. I can't really add to it. No, I'm. 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 I'm with you. Yeah. I. I think. Um, I think he probably means it. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. It's like you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and it's under threat here. His his question, are you breaking up with me? <laughs> it came across a little pathetic, didn't it? Like, can we be friends again now? <laughs> you can understand how trust has been shattered. And and Dexter's on a roll there, isn't he, after he searched through Harrison's stuff. Obviously, Angela needs some breathing space. I must admit, I thought she'd be a bit nicer about this, showing more outward sympathy for what he'd been through. So anyway, so... um, Oh, sorry, did you have another... No, I just gonna say I, I I thought she might too, but uh, mm. like I said, I I just don't think that was what she was aiming for. Clearly, yeah. So off Dexter goes, and um, he wonders if Molly blew his cover with Angela. Molly though only seems interested in catching Kurt in a lie and getting a story for a podcast, but Angela warns her off. Kurt though has his tail up and he needs to be careful if he doesn't want to make a mistake. He is so obviously full of frustration and still wants that, that perfect kill, that ritual kill. There's another girl at the diner and it was jarring how quickly he switched from angry to all warm and friendly again. Didn't work out for him though. Lucky for that girl. And I thought it quite funny uh, when she says, Oh, here's my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> see you thanks thanks for the money bye <laughs> that didn't clancy, work at all <laughs> no no but clancy brown really really good there in that scene and then harrison shows up and talks about the job and they agree, st- agree on a start day uh the subject of a wrestling match comes up and kurt says he'll try to be there harrison gave a little smile at this like Dexter wanting connection. Harrison does too, doesn't he? Primarily a father figure. And Kurt is seeming the more appealing option right now. You you could argue that neither of them exactly excel at parenting. But what do you think Kurt's game is here? I, I don't think at this point he's got a vendetta against Dexter. But has he given up on Matt and looking to replace him? That's a really good question. Um... I don't know. It, it's so hard. Like on one hand, I'd like to believe that he wouldn't just uh, move on from his son that quickly, right? Um, mm. like, clearly, he he knows Matt is is dead. I, I I mean, I guess he hasn't seen a body. I guess there's a there's a very very in his mind, I would say maybe a very very small chance that he's alive. But given the amount of blood and everything else and 
I mean, Kurt would know, right? He's a, he's a serial killer. He, he knows what that blood means. Mm. Um, I, I think that, I think he knows that Kurt or that, uh, Matt is gone. Uh, so maybe this is, is his attempt to kind of get his son back somehow by, by maybe just kind of grasping on to somebody else. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. I, I I don't know it, because they don't really supply us enough information to tell why it's so important that no he's no. connecting with Harris. And he, he brings in this drone, which I'm waiting for that to play a part uh, down the road. Um, but he kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, there's no there's no thing. It's not like uh, Harrison did something special that uh, caught Kurt's attention or or you know did. Kurt a huge favor without asking and, and, you know, kind of an entryway into this relationship. It just kind of feels like, you know, he just showed up and said, hey, thanks for saving people at the school for, for the whole Ethan thing. Here, have a drone. And now he's kind of, you know, just uh, kind of connecting with them all the time. So I'm not really sure there. Yeah, yeah I guess it's it's um, it's hard because we like you say we don't we don't know enough yet to to put our finger on this um it's it's interesting though and of course we have to remember that that kurt is not uh in in um operating at full mental capacity is he's clearly he's clearly not uh he's not all there is he if he's um well he's, he's obviously a psychopath <laughs> with what he's doing there's there's um He's not—he's not thinking as rationally as um, I hesitate to say the phrase "normal human being," but you know what I mean. He's, um, yeah, he's—he's he's thinking like a serial killer, not like a, not like a regular, um, sane person. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, so Dexter googles Molly's podcast and has a listen to the Bay Harbor Butcher episode. Of course, he's got a vested interest, isn't he? The tone of, of this one is the same as the Trinity one and probably has Garrett Napkins planning his next tribute. <laughs> it was it was great seeing a little glimpse of Dokes. Gave me a little little tinge of nostalgia for the old days. Dexter says about feeling a bit butchery as he looks at Molly's picture. I don't know if any of us really thought that he would kill Molly, did we? I mean, she's so far outside the code. In the past, when someone's been in his way, he's found other ways to get rid of them, like framing them as the Bay Harbor Butcher. Did you think Dexter would really kill Molly? You know, honestly, I thought about this. Actually, it's in my notes. I have this, uh, some notes on this here specifically. Um, you know, Gareth, I don't know. Because number one rule is don't get caught. And the problem is that, and this is, you know, true of the original uh, series is the original series went along the the, <laughs> the stringent rules got a little looser and a little looser and a little looser and, and even back then there were some you know definitely some questionable things you know even something like Lagorda right um, there's other people that as the series went along really didn't fit the code and yet Dexter you know killed them or you know, I guess with LaGuardia, he didn't actually do it. It was it was Deb and everything. But clearly, he wasn't going to let her go. Um, I just, 
I think Don't Get Caught has superseded everything else mm. to some extent, right? And I, I think that, you know, Dexter used to be so cautious. He used to be so cautious. He would, you know, research everybody to the nth degree to make sure that they fit the code and that they deserve to be on his table. Um, but that Dexter doesn't really exist anymore. Mm. Still wants to apply the code, but I don't think it's maybe the end-all be-all. I think Don't Get Caught has allowed him maybe the license to, in this instance, if he thinks really if Molly is onto him, would he? So it's maybe a toss of the dice now, which is a little crazy when you think about it, because I go back to season one Dexter, that Dexter, that Dexter never would have entertain the idea no no i, I mean I, th- I think certainly with with what he was doing following her i think he was trying to find out what she knew and whether she was actually onto him because at, at the point when he um uh starts to uh, uh investigate her podcast and and going to the tavern and and uh, a bit later with where she's there with kurt he he's he still doesn't know whether whether she's onto him, does she? Does he? And, and, and where Angela might have got her information from. So uh, I think that was that was his driving force to begin with. But as as Deb says, you got to deal with this Molly problem. <laughs> so maybe ultimately that was something that might have been on the table, if if Molly was indeed onto him. And, and as you say, that would that would fit with the first rule of the code: not get caught. Um, and we've seen in in the past when someone has been in his way, he's um, he's perhaps been willing to be a little bit. Um, Lucy goosey with the with the rules dissecting dexter i kind of have a thing about blood at school harrison's still basking in his glory walking slow-mo down the corridor with a bit of swagger as people give him admiring looks audrey invites him to hang out but harrison has to go to therapy with dexter I'm guessing that you're not really shipping these two. I can't say I am, but it wasn't a surprise when they hooked up. <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I think they're fine as just two teenagers that um, maybe need somebody to talk to. But I think the whole romance thing feels a little, uh, I don't know, a little forced to, to me. Mm. Uh, or at least too rushed. Uh, you know. I don't even know if we have a time frame. How long? How long has Harrison been in Iron Lake? We don't really know. It seems like no. uh, from Matt's disappearance to now, I feel like it's only really been a few weeks. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Probably, I was going to say I was thinking about a month. Yeah, but like you said, oh, mind you, we've not had Christmas yet, have we? The tree's still up in Dexter's cabin. And what date was it? When in the first episode, was it something like the? Ninth or tenth of December, something like that. Yeah, it was a few days into December, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so maybe it's right. maybe you it's know, been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. As I say, two to three weeks, maybe. It's not a lot of time. Yeah, everything's happened very quickly. Yeah, so maybe it is only a couple of weeks. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the therapy, the therapy scene, that was great, <laughs> and I could have happily had this as a bottle episode with just the two of them talking about the past with the therapist it it could have filled in many of the gaps that people have been highlighting 
uh, in, in the feedback here, uh, addressing subjects that we've mentioned before. But but then dramatically, they could have come out of it closer. And story-wise, they need the tension to continue. But we got some very good moments here. Revelations for both characters. Dexter hearing firsthand how his son has been feeling and a bit of what he's been through. The look on Dexter's face, hearing the things his son had suffered. He left Miami to avoid bringing pain to his son, but it ended up happening anyway. The message of abandonment coming through loud and clear. And then for Harrison, Dexter mentioned being adopted. Harrison turns to him and gives him this look. And that, for me, was another of these opportunities for some bridge building. I'm, I'm guessing he had no idea about that with his dad and through the the reactions of of jack alcott here he was great (laughs) especially when dexter lied about what happened to rita the look on his face spoke a thousand words i i thought it was i've never seen this guy in anything before i think he's got such talent it was a perfectly measured reaction great work did did you get the impression that dexter didn't know that Harrison knew that Rita was murdered. He seemed surprised, although it's not out of the question that Hannah might have told him at some point. What did you think? Well, I, I guess I'm I'm a little surprised only because uh, even if if Hannah didn't say a word, you know, the internet. Um, I'm sure. You know, you get the the podcast, which has a, a an episode on the Trinity Killer, which obviously we know that Harrison listened to. Um, I guess I'm just I'm not totally surprised that Harrison knew clearly, but I'm surprised that Dexter was so taken aback by it. Uh, for someone who is trying to track down his father, you would think that Harrison in his search would do absolutely everything possible to try to find him. And if you know your father's last, you know, father is Dexter Morgan. How long is it going to take to search the internet to find out that, uh, you know, he's connected to the Trinity case and that uh, your mother was killed by a serial killer and that your father was the the widow. Yeah. He'd so, be naive to think that he didn't know. <laughs> wouldn't he? Dexter says he made his peace with what happened to Rita and again Harrison's face said it all clearly for him he's not done with it and maybe they should have had a conversation about it before now so he feels abandoned all over again and that was such a heartbreaking line where he says I feel abandoned on on this couch right now he's just saying the poor kid you know Dexter's like yeah I'm okay and Harrison's like I'm screwed up about it. <laughs> this was so good on my first viewing and it, it uh, I've so I've watched it three times now and it's it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> A definite highlight of the episode. Did you have any more observations about this sequence? Well, yeah, one thing I think this is the best singular scene in the entire show thus far personally. Um, wow, out of, out of all nine seasons. Oh, well, no, I meant like the New Blood. Oh, oh, New Blood. Sorry. Yes. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, For me, this one, yeah. I guess it's because it's so character centric and there's just so much going on. I mean, it's so rich, this scene with all of the, the dark undercurrents that are going on from, from both Dexter and Harrison. It's just this this constant 
you know, interplay of two people that are desperate to connect, but don't know how. And it, it kind of reminds me of Dexter and uh, Deb's relationship. I think there's a bit of a dark mirror going on here because you have Dexter, of course, who isn't really, to some extent, really any different. Um, and Harrison is emotional, like Deb was, right? I mean, regardless of, of whatever else might be going on there, there's clearly a ton of emotion that's kind of rolling through this kid constantly. Yes. Now, whether it's disappointment or anger or whatever. Dexter was the man who could say nothing, and Deb was the the sister who could say and did say everything, who had all the feelings, who felt everything. And so in some respects, I feel like Harrison is like Deb in that regard, in that regardless of anything else going on, he just feels everything so intensely. And part of that is just being a teenager, of course. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, apart from that, this is just uh, clearly – this kid is just dealing with a lot and all he wants is I think he wants his father to just be honest and honest with him. That's really what he wants. He wants to have a conversation. He wants honesty. He wants the truth, whether it's painful or not. He just wants the truth. And uh, yeah, for me, this scene is just, uh, this is pure gold. Yeah. And I think, I think to be fair to Dexter, he's, never comfortable talking about this kind of thing is he it's well outside his comfort zone and maybe to be fair to him he's doing the best he can in this situation and it's but the best he can do is still not good enough for what harrison needs and that and that that's heartbreaking it's like dexter wants this to work i think harrison wants it to work but it's not clicking is it <laughs> and they're they're, they're almost a little bit of an impasse um yeah it was it was it was hard i don't know if if they'll go back to therapy if we'll have another scene they'll go back to the therapist another day um i hope so i hope we get another another scene like this maybe later in the season i hope so Uh, they need it clearly (laughs) yes big time big time so angela and logan are mulling over why Kurt would want the search for Matt to stop. She's really using that advice she got from Batista about listening to your gut. She's doing it here and feels that Kurt's worried what they might have found if the search had continued. They decide to go and investigate the caves that got a mention a few episodes ago. Um, It seemed to be uh, a different location to where Dexter went himself earlier in the season and met the bear. Um, I think it was right. The, the other place, the other place was a mine, wasn't it? Somewhere different entirely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we Angela ends up going out with with Teddy instead because Logan's going to be uh, tied up at the at the wrestling match. So things continue to be frosty between Dexter and Harrison at home. I think uh, through the feedback, Des was right last week. Just give Harrison a hug already. <laughs> However, maybe Harrison isn't in the mood right now. <laughs> but when he should be stewing about things with his son, Dexter seems to be more concerned with finding out what Angela or Molly know. And he goes for a beer with Logan. So they go to the tavern. And I don't know, I think Logan's really likable in this scene. 
I liked him last week when he got intense with the drug dealer. My only concern with this guy is how he jumps to the defence of the Caldwells so readily. It sounds like he owes them a lot for looking after him growing up. But Matt was so clearly an arrogant douchebag. You have to question Logan's judgment there. Do you think there's more to this or can we take Logan at face value? I think Logan, you can take it at face value here. I, I, I mean, maybe it's kind of similar to like Dexter and Deb, or well, Deb and Dexter, uh, in that uh, you know everybody has their blind spot. You know, if Harrison is is Dexter's blind spot, uh, you know maybe deep down maybe Logan knows that you know Matt wasn't great, uh, or he could be really kind of a terrible guy, but at the same time, that's worrying with the fact that they did a lot for him. And so it's hard to separate that uh, and be objective. So at least that's what it seems like so far. I don't know that there's anything bubbling underneath that 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 I would think points towards Logan mm. hiding something, although I guess it's possible. But I was interested in the yeah. fact these two are even talking because last week in the hospital, these two were button heads and you know logan's you know walking off pretty stiffly after being reamed out by dexter and this you know just a few days later they're going out for beers yeah Uh, there's there's like no residual you know anything from that kind of yeah i don't think he even apologized did he for his behavior i mean dexter was understandably riled up about the the od last week and logan did the right thing in walking away uh but I don't know if you're on good terms. I mean, usually if you behave like that, even if you're justified in being upset, and but if you've chewed someone out, you know, you you say sorry, don't you, and and you move on. And maybe they did off screen. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think we had any previous indication that they were drinking buddies. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's my only concern about Logan is. Is, is how he sticks up for the Caldwells. But I think you, you you make a good point, and maybe that goes some way to allay my fears about Logan, what, what you've just said, that, that you have a you can have a blind spot. So uh, anyone not shipping Audrey and Harrison will have probably fast-forwarded the next bit. One that had the inevitable conclusion of them making out, and then some. Audrey is convinced that they're like, I don't know, like kindred spirits, both having suffered abandonment in their life, feeling like outsiders. And that's certainly true. But what struck me more is Harrison saying he thinks about hurting people, emphasising all the time in a sixth sense kind of way, didn't you think? Yeah. <laughs> Still think Harrison needs personal connection, stability. He needs a parent. He's looking for... A father figure and he needs his dad he talks about wanting to hurt people which of course rings alarm bells but is this just indicative of the anger he feels anger at the world resentment perhaps a positive connection and a relationship with his dad is is the uh, magic bullet that he needs it may still not be a dark passenger Mental health is, of course, a complex thing. <laughs> what, what do you think? Well, he's looking for connection, clearly. And Kurt 
probably is a possibility in his mind, although not, a, I think, a fully formed one. Um, and if Dexter isn't working out, he's, he's looking for somebody to talk to in Audrey, given the fact that she's been kind of flirty with him for a while. Uh, you know, she's been somebody that he's been able to talk to. I, I think that clearly that's where he's going to go. I mean, I, when it didn't work out, when the whole therapy session thing popped up earlier in the episode, I, I just assumed at some point they were going to meet up again. I wasn't sure, you know, whether it was going to be her coming over to see him or, or vice versa. He, you know, cr- crawled up in her window, which is just <laughs> a little, you know. Uh, yeah, he didn't even knock. <laughs> yeah, maybe not <laughs> do this. Good thing Angela wasn't in there. He might be dead, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, I don't know, I think. This whole scene, well, first off, uh, have you ever seen the, the movie um, Say Anything? Uh, do you know, I haven't. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it, and, and I think everybody knows the, uh, the holding up of the, um, the ghetto box. blaster at the end. Yeah, the boombox, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to try, try not to spoil a whole lot here. I'm just going to say that this whole scene kind of reminded me weirdly enough of that movie and i know some people are going to be listening to this and thinking you're crazy that doesn't make any sense how could this remind you of that movie and it did um and and here's why in the movie uh all i'll say is that uh the two characters um diane court who's the the played by ioni sky and then you have boy dobler uh john cusack Hmm. Uh, in the movie, this girl and her father are extremely close, but then she finds out that, you know, he's been keeping a secret and, and he's been lying to her. And in the movie, this closeness is so apparent. I think like she tells him everything. I mean, everything they're so close. And then when this, these things happen, um, it, it, it rocks her to the core. And she finds that the only person she can actually say anything to is Lloyd. And so this weirdly kind of made me feel like he he can't talk to Dexter. He wants to talk to Dexter. He wants to be close to his father, but that's clearly not working. But this seems to be the one person who he can be completely himself to. Uh, who he can really talk to and, and really say anything. Mm. Um, I don't know. That may, may not make any sense to most people, but for some reason it popped in my head and it, it, I kind of like thought that it worked uh, at least in, in my head. Um, because I think, you know, when you're looking for connection, when you're looking for somebody that you can confide in, uh, a parent is great. And ideally that's, you know, I think who most people would want to be able to, to really talk to and really bear their soul. And I think in Harrison's case, that's not working. He doesn't really know Kurt all that well. And to be fair, he doesn't know Audrey all that well either. But they're both teenagers and they have some connection, uh, some shared kind of similar trauma uh, yeah. on the very kind of broad strokes. Uh, and I just think that, you know, he sees her as somebody who he can be honest with. And I just don't know why he brought the razor yeah i think again uh referring back to the, an interview scott reynolds did i think he 
he said in an interview, I think it was at TVFanatic.com this week, he said that Harrison didn't have any intention of hurting Audrey. It's just something he carries with him. So maybe that's how he happened to have it at school. He just takes it with him to school. But of course, Angela is is seething to find Harrison in bed with Audrey next morning and probably felt like picking him up and throwing him in Dexter's face. And uh, there's yet more tension between them because of this. Dexter's right about him sneaking off in the night. I see it as a little rebellion from Harrison, but also he understandably wants to be with someone who won't get on his case. And, and again, linking with what, what all of what you just said about say anything, he wants someone who can empathize with him. I just love the dialogue between Dexter and Deb here, not ready to be a grandfather, not having to have the sex talk, the lightness and the humor was spot on Deb's giggle and the little smile from Dexter just lovely it was like how they would have spoken with each other if Deb had actually been there and it it makes me miss their real life relationship at its peak in those early seasons did you have the same reaction yeah I do (laughs) I miss I miss I miss Deb I mean I I love that you know in this instance with the show that Jennifer Carpenter can be here that she can play you know Deb as the dark passenger and we still get some just unbelievable interactions and that kind of mirroring of her smile or giggle and then Dexter kind of smiling uh it it, it did warm my heart I just wish Deb were here for real <laughs> yeah 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 me too yeah, well, like we always say, she was the heart of the show. The beating heart of the show. You know, after Miami, you never get used to this damn cold. I thought you didn't know me. You were right. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Dexter Morgan. Your father. Dexter shows some smarts in the next scene eavesdropping on molly and kurt getting confirmation that she's only interested in matt not the butcher so he's off the hook there kurt comes out with more bullshit to molly molly though after she catches him in the lie this scene i thought was really well edited cutting kurt and molly's conversation in the diner with in the tavern sorry with with dexter listening to his his covert recording in the in the car i wonder at what point kurt lined molly up as a potential victim i'm I'm guessing the moment she caught him in the lie so dexter follows them out to the cabin and i think we have to overlook his bad parking where all kurt needs to do is just look up and see it parked there on the hillside you know there's no leaves on the trees it's winter it was <laughs> it should have been clear as day but Anyway, Dexter very quickly and very calmly, I thought, like he sees this every day. And and of course, for a while he did in Miami. He very quickly realises that this is fishy. Serial killer 101, as he puts it. And he has a choice here. Let it play out and uh, take Molly out of action permanently, preventing her ever being a problem for him. Or does he do the right thing and try to help her? So... 
I think regardless of whether you like her as a character, I wonder what would you have liked Dex to do here? Uh, exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, I think that in this moment, uh, I think you can make a solid argument that he, I mean, granted, he wouldn't have been doing the actual killing. So with the code, that maybe doesn't really apply. But I think maybe he realized in that moment, he doesn't know what Molly you know, it could possibly do to him or what threat she could really be. He knows that she's on to Matt and into Kurt and it's not him. So I think that should allay his fears for the most part. But I think in this instance, okay, you don't, you don't, you, you spend a lot of your life hurting, you know, killing people that hurt other people. And I think that he knows that he doesn't, regardless of what she does and what threat she could be, he doesn't want her to die here in this moment. Mm. Yeah, I think he did the right thing too. And I, I, I wonder how much of his actions were driven by simple curiosity, recognizing that he's looking at a, a serial killer here, or probably looking at a serial killer. He's probably dying to see what was, what was under there, what was in the hatch. Sounds like a question from the old lost days, but <laughs> um, what was under there? And uh, he couldn't resist going and having a look and, and intervening and saving Molly in the process. The scene below the cabin I thought was brilliant, claustrophobic, so much quiet tension. You have to wonder why Molly let it go that far. Her blind, misplaced focus on getting a story. She seemed to become uneasy as soon as Kurt closed the hatch behind them. She had the mace ready in the end, but would it have been enough <laughs> to protect her if not for Dexter showing up and scaring the crap out of them, <laughs> noisily, noisily opening the hatch? The scene is so awkward for Kurt. I loved how Dexter was so playful right down to offering to close the bedroom door and shutting Kurt in there. <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing there. <laughs> Kurt's responses were so lame. <laughs> he was probably properly on the back foot here, not being able to regulate himself from his frustration before it's cost him here. And now Dexter's onto him. Did you revel in his discomfort? I'm sure you did. Ah, uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, Dexter, it felt old school Dexter in the best way possible, you know, where he's he's got the upper hand here. Uh, he knows that Kurt isn't going to do anything probably um, in this moment. So Dexter has all the power. Uh, he's he's the one that isn't on the back foot. It, it's clearly Kurt. So he's just kind of rolling with it and uh, using it to his advantage. This discomfort clearly, you know, he's in a place that Kurt doesn't want him to be seeing things that he doesn't want to be seen. Um, this, to me, I think, is the moment that Kurt realizes he could have a real problem. But I'm with you, Gareth. <laughs> Molly is a seasoned, I, I guess, pro at this point. I mean, I don't know how much field experience she actually has. But this is, like, so... I. <laughs> Actually, I was disappointed in her. I'm like, tell somebody, send Logan a text, leave a note with somebody, you know, like, you don't know who Kurt is, you know, like, don't go off with some guy that you barely know to some secluded place, you know, maybe you don't think he could 
or would do anything but you don't know that and clearly like she said in the car on the way back she almost became an episode of a podcast yeah yeah she did yeah she was she was naive and i think in in you know probably more than ever these days you know in 2021 society it's you know w- women are, are unfortunately uh, finding themselves in 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 situations and you know what have for a long time of course but it's it's so publicized these days about taking more precautions and and men being more mindful and uh, and, and and rightly so but it's you know it's a shame that it's it's, it's necessary um because not not everybody's bad of course but um you know it's just about being careful and and um using a bit of bit of nous i suppose and and like you say for someone as as apparently seasoned as as molly might be she did show some naivety here and uh well yeah she she almost came undone didn't she so yeah. uh can I bring something up about Molly? I wonder. You can. Yeah, go for it. So here's the thing. This thing has been bugging me. All right, two things. One, um, I'm disappointed that she doesn't recognize Dexter because if you if you look at the episode of the Trinity Killer uh, that Harrison was listening to, the photo of Rita is the photo is the the uh, wedding photo. It comes from the wedding photo of Rita and, and Dexter their actual mm. wedding photo. So you would think that she would have like looked at this wedding photo and like, oh, you know, look at, you know, look at the husband, oh, mm-hmm. poor guy. And she doesn't recognize him, which, okay, fine. But the thing that kind of gets me, and I'm, I'm really hoping that I'm wrong here, but it seems like it's, it's the way they're kind of taking this. I still have a hard time believing that she's there for Matt's disappearance because how long was it before she showed up on the scene? Like 48 hours, something like that. Mm. Um, wasn't that long into the, cause they were still at Dexter's cabin. They'd only been there for maybe a few days at most. Yeah. If that, I, th- I got the impression it was a day or so, but they didn't seem to be that far into the search. Did they? Right. So she shows up, she, she hears about this somehow. She packs her bags, gets a last minute flight to some tiny little town in upstate New York that she has no reason to go to because how many dozens of people, if not more, disappear every day, right? There's nothing about Matt that's really any different than you know, a lot of people. Like, there's nothing extraordinary, I think, in terms of, like, just the, the broad strokes of, like, oh, this guy disappeared. Well, you know, that happens all the time, unfortunately, but it does. So you can really pick any location to go to when someone disappeared, especially within like 48 hours. Um, so she goes to like dis- investigate the disappearance of a, a more or less unknown person. And just, I don't know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make <laughs> a whole lot of sense. If she showed up to investigate all the missing girls and she'd caught on because of her followers, all of her, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers that kind of said, hey, these girls are going missing. You should go check this out. I could go, okay, that makes total sense. But, like, who's Matt Caldwell? Matt Caldwell's nobody. He might be kind of like a semi-big shot in Iron Lake because he's the son of a wealthy enough guy, right? Yeah. But he's not 
like the son of a senator or something uh, high profile. He's just some guy, you know. And so I was hoping like I was really hoping she was there for a different reason and using the whole thing as like a pretext to come to come north. But, you know, that's a possibility. She could have just been lying to Kurt. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Gareth? Do you, do you think, like her whole reason for showing up in the first place, does it jive with you? No, I, I I agree with you. It it could be that she's that she's lying to Kurt. It could be that she's been lying to a lot of people. You you do find it hard to believe that with all the all the homework she'd have to do for a podcast that she wouldn't, if not immediately, then at some point spending time in Dex's company that she might there might be a little hint of uh, recollection from from her previous research and and recognize him you would in terms of her being there you'd think um you think it was it would be far more plausible if she was actually local if if she if she lived in the area and it was um you know be on the local news people would be talking about it and she she shows up um i don't remember did she say she caught a last minute flight to the area she did say that I don't remember. I just assume she's not in the area. Mm. Uh, so that's my assumption. I could be, you could be right. She could yeah. be local. Maybe she's local because it's also established that, um, that she's had a thing with Logan. And I don't think that was a case of them just getting together as soon as she reached town. It sounded like they'd been dating. Hmm. Uh, uh, so much so that Logan said he'd, he'd used the breakup playlist. Uh, maybe maybe you're right so, um yeah so that made me I, I guess i hadn't thought about it too much until until now thinking about this episode maybe we need to go back and uh, for her appearance when she first came in and, and spoke to angela perhaps something was said then it's possible i, I just all I, all I can think of is she is a her podcast is on serial killers and not specific missing people mm. You know, like every episode on her podcast is about a serial killer. Granted, missing people clearly could add up eventually to a serial killer, of course. But a one-off missing person uh, without a ton of connections to other cases. That's kind of odd. I don't know. I just want to bring it up because it just – it's one of those things where I'm I'm wondering about those details. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there's maybe there's more to come with her, and uh, but she's given no. If she is there for Dexter, then she's given no hint that she is, has she? And she's she's had a car ride with him now. She didn't. There were no loaded questions, were there? When Dexter dropped her off, it was all few. You know, what do you think of Kurt? What do you think of Matt? That, those kind of topics. Um, nothing. You know, she's she's. She's obviously quite a potentially man, quite a manipulative and devious investigator when she needs to be. So you would have expected her to be. Um, I don't know. I would have expected some some loaded questions, some awkward questions, perhaps, or, you know, fishing. But there's been none, of, been none of that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe she's just grateful at the moment. So, maybe, yeah, maybe there's more to come. We've got some some feedback uh, coming up about molly that that kind of links links into this so uh 
Yeah, so moving on, Angela and Teddy head up to the caves to see if they can find anything, anything that might account for Kurt's deception. Angela mentions how remote it is, although not so remote that she doesn't have a phone signal later. But again, I'll let that go because I love, love what she says to Dexter. And we'll get to that. I did like the set that they built for the cave and particularly the sound effects. You've got to love the sound of slowly dripping water in a cave scene, haven't you? It's just part of the atmosphere. It's obligatory. So in the cave, I wasn't quite sure what they'd find. It it seemed too remote for it to be where Kurt would keep his victims. He seems to take so much care over them, wanting them to be perfect. It didn't seem likely that he would bring them all the way out here into a dark, damp cave. So it begged the question to us as viewers, what is in there? And they find evidence of a a man-made blockage that doesn't look recent. (laughs) My wife sitting next to me got all kinds of claustrophobic when Angela was squeezing through the tunnel and she had to look away. Tell me when she's through. And then they find the body. Iris, Kurt's first victim, maybe, before he evolved his MO. What did you think? Um... Yeah, possibly. Uh, unless Olsen is involved somehow, which is also a, a possibility. Um, yeah. Could have two people that are have uh, different reasons for killing um, Iris. Uh, maybe Olsen's is more personal if it's if it's him. Um, if it's Kurt, like you said, it could be that, that first messy kill that uh, before he refined everything. Uh, if there's other bodies down here, though. I thought, wow, man, you got lucky just finding Iris. <laughs> yeah. All the people down there, like, you just, like Iris just happened to stumble on Iris, of course, <laughs> the, yeah. the one person. But, you know, I think the emotional impact of the scene, though, does carry, you know, even if it's, like, weird that she finds her, her best friend. I was totally in for the emotion. You could see just the waves of grief and yes. anguish just kind of rolling over her character. And I... You know, after you spend all of your adult life basically grieving over the loss of someone that was maybe the most important person in the world to you, yeah, uh, that's got to be tough. Yeah, it was it was good good performance from Julia Jones here, and and this this unresolved issue with with her best friend is, is a lot of what's driven her all these years and uh, maybe she'll well she hasn't got full resolution yet but at least she knows because there's always a question of was she dead is she alive somewhere uh, she's got the answer to that question if not um the, the subsequent questions but was she, she's uh, she's got a plan to that end that we'll get to this sequence in the cave was intermixed with Harrison's wrestling match and a very public showing of his violent tendency. He did seem to be encouraged by Kurt's supposed coaching, although his opponent was certainly a dick and deserved a fist to the face. <laughs> he didn't ask for his arm to be broken. Apparently, Jack Alcott really got into the wrestling going through training for it, and that's all him there. And the opponent is apparently a genuine school wrestling champion. Uh, again, that's from the uh, TV Fanatic interview with Scott Reynolds this week. Getting cut above the eye like that seemed to make Harrison see red and got him all fired up. 
we know from the Karate Kid movies not to lose your cool in a fight, but Harrison does just that very publicly. Very, very harsh crunch as that bone went. Dexter seems mortified and is enraged when Kirk grabs Harrison and seems to congratulate him. I actually, actually, I think maybe Dexter was a little jealous too, watching Kirk go in and, and coach his son. Couple that with knowing the guy is a serial killer. <laughs> it was a great bit of tension building. What did you make of this? I totally agree. Uh, I couldn't put it any better, really. Uh, clearly, Dexter is is longing you know, longing for Harrison to be the one to come to him and, and seek encouragement. Uh, but with their issues communicating, um, seeing Harrison go to Kurt to get that encouragement has to sting. Yeah, yeah. The look on Harrison's face, though, he was his face looked pretty blank, which is concerning. He wasn't shocked or remorseful. Uh, he didn't seemed to revel in what he'd done it was just blank which i don't know i mean maybe maybe it was maybe that was shock i I don't know um you can kind of be a bit numb from shock can't you and and not knowing quite how to react but i don't know that was that just concerned me but dexter's face as he marched across the gym there was such anger there (laughs) oh dear you could make a meme out of that Kurt was ready for him though he's cross at Dexter for earlier and was probably quite happy to have a punch up (laughs) however as far as Kurt's concerned this is just Jimbo from Fred's Fish and Game not Dexter Morgan Bay Harbour Butcher (laughs) he doesn't know who he's taking on for Harrison that kid's teammates weren't happy threatening him I bet that comes back and perhaps Harrison will end up killing one of them And I wonder what Audrey made of all this, too. They didn't show her reaction, which was a bit surprising. She'll have been shocked. And so we we come to the final moment. And I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I marked out like a proper fanboy. (laughs) It gave me a chill and a thrill all at once. I need Dexter Morgan. Perhaps evidence that Angela is committing to keep Dexter's secret. She'll want to keep this under wraps for now so as not to alert Kurt she's on to him. But for her, he's going to be prime suspect. I wasn't I wasn't completely serious when I said this, but I speculated before that maybe Dexter would finish up working for Iron Lake Police. But at least it certainly looks like he's going to help her with Iris and investigating Kurt. How, how did you react to this final line? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way. Um, it was a, it was a perfect line to end that episode. Uh, she doesn't need Jim; she needs Dexter. And uh, I I agree. I think she's going to keep his secret for the time being. Um, but you know something else too is I feel like this episode in some ways is about communication and the people we try to share our you know joys our sorrows our, our troubles whatever with and uh you know whether that's harrison and dexter um you could argue dexter and angela as well uh and i think that in a weird way angela probably really needs jim in a lot of ways 
given what she's just found. But you can't do that for obvious reasons. Hmm. So where I, I question, where is Angela going to turn to? Might she turn hmm. to a drinking buddy who happens to be a podcaster? Hmm. Yes. About that she knows Dexter Morgan. Yeah. It's my theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's good. And it would it would um, it would give Molly additional purpose in the show, because uh, I think we've got coming up in the feedback, we've got some some questioning as to why she's actually here. What did you think about the the whole at last line? I mean, did it was it? I mean, it had to give you like just a, an insane amount of joy. It it did. I I punched the air. <laughs> I yeah, it was yeah. The fanboy in me just had um, was just doing cartwheels. I, I'm I'm far too old to be doing cartwheels myself, but internally I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I rejoice, and it it just makes me very excited for for what comes next. Um, yeah, and it, it's all made more complicated by the showdown that Dexter seems to be heading towards with with Kurt over Harrison. Yeah, just just a a, a thought on that. I, I I thought I wonder if there will be perhaps in the final episode an "I killed your son" moment for Kurt on the kill table like Dexter gave Miguel Prado about his brother which I'm sure you won't have forgotten but that would amazing yeah that would be a nice (laughs) echo wouldn't it (laughs) oh yeah and then see the horror on his face as the knife goes in (laughs) because that that uh, that blew Miguel's mind didn't it (laughs) yeah and trust me I remember that scene having watched it not that long ago um Mm. The actor, I can't think of the actor's name right now. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Mm. Man, that guy was jacked. I mean, that, yeah. when he told him that and he was trying to, like, rip out of the, the, the plastic. I mean, Jimmy Smith hits the gym for sure. <laughs> yeah, he and he's just a big, a big imposing guy anyway, isn't he? Even without, even if he wasn't working out, he's just, he's tall and, and um, yeah, quite a presence. Yeah, I think if he had broken free, he would have torn Dexter limb from limb. <laughs> yeah. But that was then. This is now. Uh, I I don't know whether you have any closing thoughts about about the episode, or shall we get into the feedback? Um, I just I think it was overall a good episode. I had some questions and and stuff, but uh, I thought this is one of the better episodes of the the whole season thus far. Yeah. Here, here. Listener feedback. Okay, so we've got an email from John Lewis, who's in Rochester, New York, longtime listener, first time caller. John loved the episode and thought that without knowing what we know, what Dexter said to Angela was heartbreaking and completely believable. John found Kurt's rapid switch from on the prowl to cheery, helpful old man, very creepy. He also doesn't think Molly knows who Jim really is. And he liked how nonchalant Dexter was when he was saving her, which he also thought was a fun sequence. And is excited at the game of cat and mouse that we might be getting. John says that when Harrison broke the arm, it reminded him of the Dexter Dokes fight back in the day. The Morgans were undersized in both fights, but were able to harness their inner darkness to come out on top. John also writes, and I quote, 
obviously Harrison is dealing with some things. He has a lot of feelings going on inside himself, mostly rage, that he can't figure out what to do with. He's able to voice this to Audrey, which leads to them hooking up. This was inevitable, but with the tension that's been building between them since they first met. He wants his dad to be able to help him because he knows he can. In the original letter Dexter had sent to Hannah, she mentions Harrison displaying any signs of dark tendencies. Harrison mentions throughout the show that he wants answers. And while I'm sure he wants answers for many things, I think this might be his number one question. This is an interesting point. Is this a big cause of Harrison's frustration because he knows Dexter has the experience and understanding to help him and he's just waiting for him, wanting him to do it? This could well be another aspect to where Harrison's coming from. You might think breaking the arm was a gesture to his dad, as if to say, look at how unhinged I am. Bloody come and help me. However, they didn't show them exchanging a look. Harrison just looked a bit out of it. Anyway, what's clear to us is that Harrison's issues go deeper than simply wanting to make a connection with his dad. Although I think that would go a long way towards helping him. Finally, John has this theory. I'd like to be the first to say this potential ending that I don't think I've heard anywhere yet. I think the show has outlined a path in which Harrison unleashes the Dark Passenger in the worst kind of way. Because Dexter has had a hard time knowing how to act in many situations over the entirety of the series, he won't really know what to do to help Harrison. I can see a scenario where Deb, as his subconscious, continues to harass Dexter, making him face the fact he's not cut out to be a father. And just like Dexter's own father, Harry, he'll end up killing himself. But Deb will be doing it. It's the ultimate sacrifice, which could also end up exposing his true self for all the awful things he's done, while at the same time covering for Harrison for something bad he's done. The ending result, a Harrison spin-off. Thanks, John. Nice idea. And I can picture that playing out in my head. You're not the first person to predict a Harrison spin-off, maybe called simply New Blood. It sounds like Dexter was ready to take his own life before, and maybe he'll reach that point again. Can you see a spin-off happening, Mike? Uh, possibly. Um, you know, this could tee up that. That, but you, you, you want to show where you're connecting with the character. I suppose this is kind of our introduction to, to Harrison. So we could see a scenario in which, uh, you know, Dexter dies and becomes uh, Harrison's dark passenger, which I think is something that a lot of people have mentioned. Uh, I don't find that possibility bad. Uh, I guess I'd like to see how we get there. I, I kind of have had similar thoughts. If, if there's a scenario in which he does have to sacrifice his own life in some respect to save Harrison, save from Kurt, where he saves his son, but in the process he is mortally wounded. Mm. And... So he does the ultimate thing. He protects his son. But the downside, of course, is that he dies. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. OK, thanks, John. Let's have a voicemail now. This is Chris. Ah, the good old days. Hi, Gareth. Chris here I'm from Scotland with my feedback for episode six of Dexter Newblood. Too many tuna sandwiches. Just thinking, I don't know why I announced that I'm from Scotland. 
every time I message. I think it's pretty apparent by now um, due to my accent. Um, I'll try and keep things brief as it was a bit cringed last week when I seen or heard rather how long my voicemail was. Um, I'm hoping that I didn't bore my fellow dissecting Dexter listeners too much. Um, random thoughts about this week's episode. Again, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I just think the quality of this season has been excellent. Um, the writing, the acting, the cinematography, everything is, is on point. Um, it made me, again, feel quite sad that we're now on the slide downwards with regards to only having four episodes to go. And unfortunately, I do fear that this may be us when we're finished and we might have no more Dexter at the end of it. I'm holding on to hope that the popularity of this and how well it's been received will make them rethink that and potentially have another season, hopefully with um, the main cast involved. As I said before, this episode I felt was really good again. Lots to dissect. Um, what I did think about was Dexter trying to do the right thing again by Harrison and and obviously by Angela, um, but making lots and lots of mistakes again um, was was an interesting point of this week's episode. Kurt getting very desperate. Um, I, I think it was excellent um, the way that Clancy Brown can sort of flip between almost a, a cuddly teddy bear to a, a psychotic villain in the way that he was punching the the mask that he was making for um, last week's victim was really sinister indeed. Um, the Angela stuff this week, really tense setup, but Dexter did a good job of lying. And, and in some ways he wasn't lying in what he said to her. He was just omitting some of the um, the finer details of his story. Um, and I really feel as if she could have potentially been a bit kinder to him. Um, it was an excellent scene between the two and one that I think was very much needed after last week's reveal. Um, I found myself this week <clears throat> actually worried about Molly um, as the episode was going on. And, and in previous weeks, I would have said, you know, if she's one of Kurt's victims, I'm not really too bothered. But I didn't want her to meet a grisly end um, at the hands of Kurt this week. And I was glad when Dexter appeared. And I loved that scene with him confronting Molly and Kurt and doing his little um, almost American football move and going into the room and obviously clocking that Kurt um, as the serial killer. Um, just touching on the, the Dexter and Kurt scene from later on in the episode where Dexter storms down from the bleachers after Harrison's broken the, the boy's arm and Kurt's hugging him. You've seen the anger in Dexter's eyes and it, it was great. It was excellent um, acting again from Michael C. Hall. And I feel this was almost like the way in for the impending um, showdown between Kurt and Dexter, potentially a fatal showdown um, between the two. And that's something I'm really interested in seeing as well. The Harrison um, Dexter Deb therapy session. Um, I felt that maybe Dexter had an opportunity to open up here um, and Harrison continued to feel abandoned after a bit. If Dexter had opened up, he and Harrison could have potentially bonded um, a little bit this week, albeit through the shared traumatic experiences. I'm getting a little bit tired of the Harrison-Dexter have a conversation, Harrison storms off before we get anything really meaty. And I know we did get a lot during the therapy session this week. Um, I'm hoping that we won't have too many more of those scenes um, as it relieves you just thinking, Ugh, just have a conversation about things. Um, just finally, um, 
I thought it was interesting that Dexter could have let Molly die. Anyway, he at that point thought to himself that she potentially could be a thorn in his side with regards to investigating Dexter Morgan. Um, but obviously he chose not to do that and it shows why we love Dexter and why we root for Dexter. Um, the end of the episode, Angela calling Dexter to say that she needed Dexter Morgan was an excellent ending to the episode and I thought it was a really nice way to tie it up and I'm looking forward to um, blood spatter analyst Dexter next week um, helping potentially solve the case of Iris. Um, thanks again, Gareth, for your podcast. I continue to look forward to it almost, almost as much as I <clears throat> look forward to the show itself. Um, and again, just a shout out to my fellow um, listeners and those who provide feedback via email and via their voice messages. Um, it is excellent. And it's really, really making the whole experience um, better for me as well. Okay, thank you. And I'll see you in another life, brother. Thanks, Chris. You're a gent. <laughs> It is so rewarding for me to hear you say those things. I <clears throat> I started this podcast to be a companion to the show. I've listened to podcasts myself to fill the gaps between episodes of shows like um, Lost, Breaking Bad and others in the past. And they really do enhance the overall experience of the show, especially if you have no one in your in your social circle to chat with about it. <clears throat> this is exactly what I would have aimed for this to be when I started out. And it's brilliant to know that you get that from this podcast. So thank you for saying that. We might only have four episodes of New Blood left, but there'll be plenty more dissecting Dexter. I'm only a third of the way through season three and then season four for the rewatches. So there's plenty of content to come on this podcast but I know where you're coming from it's new Dexter that we're really interested in isn't it you give credit to <clears throat> to Clancy Brown for his performance he really is good his tantrums have been great and his switches from big baby serial killer to cuddly friendly diner owner uh, were totally convincing Michael's dark rage was clear to see in that gym scene he's he's just good throughout isn't he okay an email from john ron garion he wrote last week expressing many concerns about where he thought the show was headed and indeed didn't particularly enjoy episode five however he says he liked this one a lot more john writes to say that he still considers molly to be dead weight because she ultimately contributes nothing to the whole overall story of the season See, I said there'd be some feedback about Molly. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I do have a frog in my throat tonight. Uh, John says that uh, Molly gave Angela that little nudge that the missing girls aren't all missing through their own choice. But Angel reinforced that by telling her to listen to her gut so she could have gotten that little push to finally look into the girls from him. The only other contribution her character put into this season was to be the kill Kurt really needed. But Dexter saved her from the, from that fate. Some may say that she, that uh, that was uncharacteristic of Dexter, but he had done that before at least once a season in the first four seasons since she's alive. And assuming that there will be at least a second season, she may be what the original series lost after season three recurring characters. She may yet be an interesting character in the future, but she still isn't to me right now. There were a lot of people predicting that she would have been killed by Dexter because she thought he thought she knew too much.
but despite the two or three examples from the previous series, Dexter does not kill the innocent, even if they would be his demise. He wasn't even going to kill Dokes and was planning to kill Lila because she killed him. That whole thing was a bit of a mess of an ending story-wise. Anyways, the point is, she's innocent and Dexter doesn't kill innocents. Thanks, John. I don't believe it's been said anywhere that we're getting another season after this. That's not to say it won't happen. I've just not seen anything about it. And perhaps they won't say anything until after it's finished. So it keeps the possibility that Dexter won't make it out alive. Have you seen anything about this, Mike? No, I have not. But I do think that saving Molly might lead to either Dexter's death or the revelation that he's the Bay Harbor Butcher. I think the the darkly ironic thing is that in in saving her, he seals his fate. Yeah, Uh, and irony is something that this show is quite um, comfortable with doing. Yeah, as as for like the season two thing, I I don't know. I uh, I really, I think if I had my 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 wish for this, is that the end of the season, it gets revealed that Dexter is the Bay Harbor Butcher, not just mm-hmm. to Molly but to everybody, and that season two, the hunt is on, mm. not the hunt for the Bay Harbor Butcher. Right back in season two, that was for the Bay Harbor Butcher. It wasn't for Dexter. I mean, it was, but it wasn't for Dexter. Yeah. If if that were to happen, where the hunt is on for Dexter Morgan, that would be an um, unbelievable setup for for season two. Maybe the final season. Maybe this is you know, if it's a limited two season thing and done, uh, that's that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, John continues by addressing Harrison, who says, despite all that he's said, it still doesn't scream dark passenger to him, even though it looks like it's going in that direction. He says that the whole scene with him and Audrey was just a way to get Harrison to reveal his feelings that have been pretty guarded up to this point to the audience, because he sure ain't talking to anyone else about them. And we needed Audrey for this. And John says uh, about the scene with Angela and Dexter in the police station, couldn't have gone any better and he loved the scene he says i'm glad his master plan was that he was trying to commit suicide like i initially thought way back when season eight ended faking his death wasn't until after he realized he failed at real death i'm sure many people won't be happy with him admitting trying to end his own life but the dark passenger didn't make a snide comment about it after he said it so that is what he was feeling I do hope those two get back together now eventually since he no longer has to hide his previous life besides the whole killing the baddies part. (laughs) John, yes, I noted that too. No inner monologue when he said about wanting to end his life. I took that as genuine too. Incredibly sad for him, but also believable with all that we know. I hope he gets back with Angela too. I think we all want him to be happy, don't we? And who's to say how much he's grown as a human being in the last eight or so years? even if it was under a different name. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I I agree. Um, I, personally, I want to see Dexter happy. <laughs> I do. Um, in terms of uh, the whole uh, killing himself thing, uh, I, I, that's an astute observation. There was no snide comment from Deb. Um, so he wasn't uh, kind of warring with himself on any level. He was, I think, in that, you know, he was admitting the truth. 
in that moment. But I do hope to get back together. I'd, I'd like to see a happy Dexter. I don't think that's what we're going to get, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I do hope. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure either. So yeah, so John closes by saying that he's all in now, which is great to hear. Let's just hope they can stick the landing at the end. Right, we've got uh, we've got another voicemail. This one is from Nick Henderson. Hey Gareth, Nick here. There is a lot to dissect with episode six. Too many tuna sandwiches. Um, I'm not even sure where to start. Quite honestly, I think the writers knocked this one out of the park. Uh, for me, the highlight has got to be the confrontation with Angela at the police station. In a lot of ways, it feels like a scene that we've been dying to see play out for ages. While Deb obviously discovered Dexter's secret in the original series, there's something very different about seeing him have to own up to his lies with someone not as blindly loyal to him as Deb was. And Angela doesn't let him off the hook. She rips into him for abandoning his son while still empathizing with him on some level. But the reason the scene stuck with me and why I think it's so important to me is that it shed a whole new light on the original series finale for me. In a way, it kind of feels like Clyde Phillips is retconning Scott Buck's original ending by mm. providing a singular piece of information that kind of changes everything, for me anyways. Um, and that's that Dexter had no intention of surviving when he drove into Hurricane Laura. That faking his death and starting a new life wasn't really his intention, but rather an opportunity that he seized when it fell into his lap. Um, and while some might argue that he was lying about this, I don't think that's the case. Almost everything that he tells Angela in the scene is true. It may not be the complete truth, but nothing he says appears to be an outright lie. It doesn't, of course, fix the sloppy execution of the season eight finale, but it certainly makes me look at it in a different light. And for that, I think it deserves some serious credit. Of course, I also want to call out the fantastic therapy scene, the awkward as hell hallway encounter with Kurt and Molly, the wrestling match, and of course, that final moment when Angela calls him and tells him that she doesn't need Jim, she needs Dexter Morgan. It has me so, so excited to see where uh, it's going to go next week. Um, but for real, there's a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to defer to the other listeners for that. Um, before I go, though, I want to... Uh, I want to leave you the couple predictions that have been kind of stewing with me for a few weeks um, in regards to Kurt's motivation and his interest in Harrison. I saw this come up a few times last week. I don't think anybody mentioned this. I could be wrong, but um, with Matt gone, it seems to me that something about Kurt is pushing him towards becoming some sort of surrogate father for Harrison. And I'm fairly confident now that the final confrontation between Dexter and Kurt is going to essentially be a battle for Harrison's soul with Harrison caught square in the middle. Um, Secondly, I, I want to let the record show that I am still not convinced that Kurt is working alone. I think a big twist is coming that will involve Kurt being outed as a part of a group. Um, and I'll take it one step further. I I think we're going to be pretty surprised when we find out who else is involved. Namely, I'm becoming more and more suspicious of Logan. He's awfully chummy with Kurt and super quick to come to his defense every time someone speaks against him. He even mentioned something about Kurt practically raising him in this episode. So my guess is that Kurt is working with Edward Olson, Logan, and whoever that guy at the hotel was that was impersonating Matt in the last episode. Um, I don't know. Logan just seems he just seems too nice. He just I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's a smokescreen. I think I think when it's all said and done, I think Logan's going to end up on a kill table, which would be crazy. Um, and I would I would I would kind of love that. So anyways. That's all I've got. I've gone long again. I'm sorry about that. Um, this was pro probably my favorite episode since Cold Snap. Um, I, th I think it's better than Cold Snap. I th think it's a little bit better than Ages for Hero. 
it's an, it's, it's an incredible episode. I love this episode. This was fantastic. More of this, please. Um, so much to process. But anyways, I can't wait to hear from everyone else. So I'm going to leave it there. Cheers. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Um, Travis, my dude, that that voicemail last week. Come on, man. You're making us all look bad. How am I, How the hell are we supposed to follow that up? <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. So props to you, sir. But damn. Just damn. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Travis will be pleased to hear you enjoyed it. There have been a few comments about dissecting fucking Dexter <laughs> on Facebook, on Twitter, all positive. Maybe Garrett will be back before the series is over. Who knows? To your comments, Angela really did tear Dexter a new one. And I completely agree with you that Phillips is retconning the season eight finale. Mike and I talked about this a bit earlier. And for the better, I think. Your prediction that the series will finish with a battle for Harrison's soul. I can't see it being anything else, to be honest, especially since the producers have consistently said that this is about fathers and sons. I do wonder, though, what is it about Kurt or his past, more specifically, that is pushing him to being a surrogate father to Harrison? He doesn't know Matt's dead. Maybe he's got his suspicions. But... He has a real son out there, or at least he's not certain that he's not still out there. But he doesn't seem to have a good word to say about him. I think we have a lot more to discover about this man. More bold, though, is your prediction that Kurt isn't acting alone. Edward Olsen has been absent for, what, two episodes now? Not even a mention? Did anyone forget that he was even part of the show? We talked about this a bit earlier, didn't we, Mike? He's he's not been written out, so I would expect to see him again. Is there some shady group doing something with these corpses that Kurt works on? He's killing them, embalming them and then sending them on to people. The level of weirdness could get a hell of a lot worse. As for Logan, like we have talked about, I was suspicious of him in episode one when he was super quick to defend Matt Caldwell as a great guy when everything we saw of him pointed to the exact opposite. If he knew him so well, he'd know the the guy was an arrogant shithead. So why does he view him through rose-tinted glasses? But, Mike, I think you, you, you came up with such a good point earlier that um, they could be Logan's blind spot. Anything there in Nick's voicemail you'd like to comment on? Well, actually, in my, my notes I wrote, this is exactly what I wrote. So this is basically a battle for the soul of Harrison between two serial killers and two men who offer different paths for him. So, Nick, you and I, man, we are we are simpatico here. So <laughs> excellent. Well he'll be he'll be he'll be pleased about that. And great minds think alike, of course. OK, so uh, thanks, Nick. We've got an email that actually came in while uh, while we've been recording. Uh, so good timing, Luke, uh, Luke in Essex, who uh, was was our friend who uh, went to see Michael C. Hall in concert with his with his band a couple of weeks ago. So Luke says it seems Kurt has some experience with prosthetics. 
not something I imagine is needed in order to run a trucking company. Is this just a nod to Rudy Cooper or is there more for us to learn about his background? I suspect the latter. It was pretty horrific watching him punch Chloe's remains, although I could sense it, sense it coming. His frustration at being unable to preserve a body in the way he had hoped was evident last week and even more so in this episode. I'm sure he has some sort of creepy doll's house he likes to play with and it seems Chloe didn't make the cut. I liked how Angela confronted Dexter on his past. She really did catch him unaware. Interesting that she let him drive himself back to the station, though, gifting him some real thinking time. Dexter's conversation with Angela about his past was brilliantly acted, unsurprisingly, and it also seemed to clear up a big question from season eight. Dexter did want to die. If this is genuinely the case, I have mixed feelings. It's a much more believable explanation for him driving into a hurricane than attempting to fake his own death. But I see Dexter as a survivor above all else, and I find it hard to comprehend that he would have tried to take his own life, particularly as I recall him describing suicide as pathetic in a previous episode. Granted, it was much earlier on in the series. Either way, I'm not sure how he survived, and I don't think we ever will. Yeah, Luke, just to jump in here. Um, you're right. I don't think we ever will. We we talked about this earlier uh, tonight, and I'm. I'm sure as well, actually, now now you mention it, Dexter did describe suicide as pathetic on one occasion. Do you remember that, Mike? That is right, isn't it? Yeah, I seem to remember that as well, uh, which, I mean, I guess if they have to choose between kind of him being a bit of a hypocrite in that regard and just sticking with the season eight ending as it was, mm-hmm. I'd say go with the former. Yeah. Yeah, and and perhaps we underestimate just how dark a place he went to in his mind after Deb died. You know, a rational thought could have just gone out of the window. You might have a little more empathy for that, maybe, uh, given what he was going through at that time. Yeah. What he didn't have before. Indeed. Luke uh, goes on to say the therapy scene with Harrison and Dexter epitomised so many of the things we love about the show. Funny, sad, disturbing, emotional, abstract, all in one. It was interesting to see the difference between father and son, Dexter remaining secretive and withdrawn and Harrison laying it all out on the line, speaking honestly, as far as we know, and showing real emotion. It's a bit like Harrison is an unchecked version of Dexter. It reminded me of the scene from a previous season where Harry coached a young Dexter through a therapy observation session, telling him exactly what to say so as not to cause suspicion. I remember that. Uh, Luke also says, I'm keen to see where we end up with Molly Park. We know she's going to become a problem for Dexter. The official podcast said as much. Oh, they do like to spoil, don't they? (laughs) But having just saved her life, down in Kurt's weird little hostel, it feels like there is going to need to be a real shift between between her and Dexter. You'd like to think she'd show him some gratitude should she get wind of who he really is. But I get the feeling she'll always put the story first. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, Luke says the idea of Harrison being an unchecked version of Dexter was evident again right at the end when he broke the other kid's arm. It seems the exact sort of thing a young Dexter would have done without Harry. That being said, adult Dexter didn't exactly keep his cool, lashing out at Kurt. The Dexter of old wouldn't have done this, although I'm sure this was deliberate from the writers, as Harrison seems to be his trigger point. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, fair points there. Well made. 
Is there anything you'd like to comment on there, Mike? Uh, no, I, I like the points at the end there about um, about Harrison being a, a young Dexter without the guidance of Harry, and uh, well, Dexter isn't exactly replicating Harry <laughs> very well right now in terms of yeah. uh, kind of being the the guidance that he needs and the kind of calm moral center for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks again, Luke. Uh, Bruce in Australia has emailed to say, I thought this was a fantastic episode. Loved how it started with another classic Dexter moment of him lying to someone close to him and getting away with it. Reminded me of the original series with the type of lies that Dex used to come up with. I wish Dexter told Harrison that his mum was also killed in front of him in the therapy session. That would have been a good way for them to connect more emotionally as as they have something in common. But looks like Dex still wants to keep everything about himself private from Harrison for the time being. I enjoyed the scene of Dexter listening to the podcast, especially when Dokes and the events of season two came up. Harrison telling Audrey that this isn't the first time he has hurt someone has convinced me that he actually killed Hannah. Her dying of cancer just seems like a lie similar to the ones that Dexter has always made throughout the series. Dexter could have easily... Just let Molly die and the problem of this podcaster would have gone away. Just so, just shows his character as without hesitation he goes to save her and not let an innocent person be killed. However, this decision will probably come back to bite him later on. I think it makes sense that Molly hasn't recognised Dexter yet as it reflects how it will be like in real life. If you're a podcaster who has spent hours telling stories of all these serial killers, it would be easy if, easy for them to just get all mixed up in your head. It'll be difficult to remember small details like the husband of a victim. Dexter's photo is probably in Molly's notes and research of the Trinity killer. So it will be interesting to see if she happens to come across it. It looks like Harrison may have spent some time at Cobra Kai as he showed no mercy at the end by breaking the guy's arm. This reveals a darker side to him as he enjoys inflicting pain on others. I got goosebumps at the end with Angela asking for Dexter Morgan. She should, however, be careful about what she wishes for. Thanks, Bruce. Did he lie to Angela at the beginning? He certainly omitted things, but what he did tell her was all true, wasn't it? It was definitely a great scene, though. The the therapy session was also really good and did present an opportunity for some bridge building and connecting. But Dexter didn't really go for it. It was good to see him starting to realise the damage done to Harrison, though. That knowledge won't hurt him at all. And so you're all in on Harrison having killed Hannah. It's certainly possible. But when we meant but when he mentioned this in therapy, I didn't get a sense of that. And I was watching for it. I don't know. For saving Molly, if his decision to help her does bite him in the ass, it won't be the first time that's happened after he's let someone live. Finally, Harrison breaking that arm. I take your point about Cobra Kai. Back at the end of the month, by the way, looking forward to that. It was Harrison's expression that stayed with me, though. Hard to read, but concerning that he didn't seem the least bit upset by what he'd done. There may be dark times ahead. (laughs) All right, we've got another voicemail now. This one is from Kim, who was on the podcast last week. Really, Dexter? The marriage fell apart. He really thought that was going to fly in that therapy session. Maybe he thought Harrison was too young to remember, but Dexter certainly remembered being born in blood. 
I'm glad Harrison called him out. Please, don't let Harrison have a dark passenger. The show isn't known for being unpredictable. I mean, when they try, they just fail miserably. But that's too easy of a plot for me. Harrison is a normal boy dealing with abandonment issues. Posing a threat to Dexter's sanity is much more interesting. Distracting Dexter makes mistakes, though. Logan and Molly. How long have they been dating or just banging? I'm the queen of theme playlists as a musician, but no lady is going to make me waste a playlist on her if we were just doing the do for a few weeks. Maybe they were together longer than we thought, or Logan might just be a sensitive dude, and there's definitely nothing wrong with being sensitive. (laughs) Audrey has nunchucks. Moving right along. Harrison, that's my boy getting it done, though (laughs) clearly he needs to learn to master the important skill of not waking up in the bed of the girl the next morning, especially when she lives with a parent. Molly, girl, I know you're trying to get a story for your podcast, but the moment someone says, how about I take you somewhere secluded that no one knows about and you can't bring anyone, you better get running. She made that so easy for Kurt. The smart move would be to bring a gun, not pepper spray or whatever the heck she had. Interesting that Dexter saved her, though. Kurt could have taken care of his problem for him right there, but Molly's still innocent, even if she's an invasive innocent. Now, Dexter's gotten to assess Kurt's playroom, as I call it, which is disturbing and disgusting. But he'll now have Kurt being super suspicious of him. Molly probably still isn't safe. I don't think we can count that out. Both Kurt and Dexter have a reason to keep her quiet. Now, I know Logan had to coach for the wrestling match, but why do you think they decided not to have him go with Angela to the caves? They could have skipped right over that whole awkward offer from Logan of comfort for what was going on with her and Dexter that led to talking about Kurt and him just being all on Kurt's side because, of course, in a small town, you probably aren't going to suspect Anybody in that town are doing something that crazy, especially killing his own son and some of the stuff she was saying. So I guess I can understand where Logan's coming from. But I just thought that was a little weird that they decided to have that in there and for her to choose an entirely different person to go to the caves with. So Kurt has been hiding bodies in the cave. Man, what a team Angela and Deb would have made. The only competent cop at Miami Metro and the tenacious, curious Seneca cop would have solved everything. And also both would have been in love with Dexter. So the connection we're being asked to make, though, is that Iris was one of Kurt's victims. I wonder if he was the first, if she was the first victim. Who knows? I know Harrison breaking his opponent's arm is supposed to lead us to the idea that Harrison is a dark passenger, but anger issues can still be an explanation. Please, please be an explanation. Please don't take the easy route. Oh, my God. Ah. Now around the end, I need Dexter Morgan, Angela said. Oh, snap. I'm ready to see Dexter's skills put to use openly now. And I'm not talking about the murder. I'm talking about understanding crime scenes. I can't wait until the next episode to see how this goes. Angela doesn't yet know that Dexter is a serial killer. She just knows he lied to her and has an entirely different identity and used to be in homicide. So I wonder how that's going to play out. This could be really interesting and kind of cool. So, like I said, can't wait for next episode. And once again, thanks again, Gareth, for letting me be a co-host last week. I really enjoyed it. All right. I'll talk to you guys next episode. This is Kim in Las Vegas. Just uh, 
excited that Dexter is back. I'm really loving this season. Thanks, Kim. That was great. Some uh, some good comments there. Uh, many of them echoing things that, that Mike and I have said tonight. It's good that we're on the same page. <laughs> I love your uh, your observation about what a team Deb and Angela would have made. Yeah, sisters doing it for themselves. Got to love it. Yeah, I think they certainly would. Uh, and anything there you'd like to comment on, Mike? Uh, well, I, I love her enthusiasm, <laughs> obviously, yeah. for, for yeah. everything. And uh, yeah. yeah, look, I, I think all of her comments seem to be pretty much mirroring a lot of our, the stuff that we've been talking about. You know, like Molly, maybe take a little protection, tell somebody where you're going, don't go with the guy you have no idea who he is to a weird place that you don't know that you're going to come back from. I don't know. That's that's the way people get killed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think a lot of her comments seem to be things that we've kind of uh, agreed with her with uh, in this episode. Yeah, a lot of positivity this week. I, I love it. <laughs> OK, thanks again, Kim. We've got uh, one last voicemail here. Um, I'm just going to play it. Uh, I think you'll be able to work out who it's from. Um, I haven't heard it yet and uh, I apologise in advance. <laughs> <laughs> he won't mind me saying that. Hey, who goes there? Step out of the shadows and into the light where I can see. Oh, is it you, partner? Shoo, why didn't you say so? You're liable to get shot or worse just lurking around in the dark like that. Come on, friend, have a seat with me next to the fire. You know, partner, I'm glad you found me. The prairie can be a mighty lonely place, not least of all in the middle of the night as it is. I've got to get this herd of cattle down to San Miguel before winter. While we wait for the fire to warm us, why don't we pass the time by jawing a bit? i got a story that would lift the spirits of even the coldest man. Let me tell you about the legend of Harrison. Now some folks say he's just a myth. That he's just some tall tale us cowpoke spread around to keep us company on the trail at night. But let me tell you, brother, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen him with my own eyes. This boy is real, all right. And he's a goddamn legend. This kid is so goddamn cool, I'm so jealous. Legend goes that Harrison one day appeared out of nowhere. Some folks say he came from the south, while others, they reckon he must have come from the stars. At any rate, he showed up in the little town of Iron Lake had never quite been the same. You see, he shows up, and in just one day, the prettiest, most popular girl in school already has a huge crush on him. Now, she's already got a boyfriend, but that don't matter none. Just one look at him is all she needed to switch heifers mid-stampede. You see, this Harrison feller, he's built different than you and me. He's sensitive, but he's also a bad boy who breaks the law. He's a skilled artist, but he's also got a dark past involving dead parents and a drug problem. He wants his daddy so much he plumb nearly cried when he thought he was being rejected. But at the same time, this dude's one of the independent son bitch. And he didn't take too kindly to being parented, if you catch my drift. Oh, you hear that? The coyotes must know he's talking about Harrison. Them <laughs> varmints want to hear the tale too, and why shouldn't they? By God, Harrison must be the absolute coolest and most interesting character in the entire show. I mean, the entire West. <laughs> Let me tell you what this cowpoke did in just a week and a half of being an iron-like. 
first, he absolutely aced the school aptitude test better than anyone else ever has. In fact, he aced it so hard the school marms all thought he had done cheated. But Harrison didn't lose his cool, no siree. You know what Harrison did? He rightly turned around and aced that test even harder the second time. The boy's a genius. He even impressed his Spanish teacher so much because he just asked her, De donde eres? Can you believe it? His Spanish is that good. De donde eres? Now that's the kind of talking you only learn by living your whole life south of the border. Ain't nobody could figure out what the hell they was going on about, except them two and the Mexicans. Next, he stopped the school shooting. After that, he told the whole school they were assholes and they should go fuck themselves, and they gave him a standing ovation just for saying so. Then this absolute legend ODs at a high school party, and then he gets taken under the wing of the town hero Kurt Caldwell himself. I'm telling you, this boy could do no wrong, and he's still not finished. In his very first wrestling match ever, Harrison's opponent was a state finalist who outweighed him by 30 pounds at least, and Harrison pinned him with no struggle at all. Then he broke the boy's arm just cause he could. To top the whole thing off, this only son bitch banged the sheriff's daughter right there in the sheriff's very own house. Woohoo, I tell you what, boy. He broke into the daughter's room with a ladder and OJ gloves. And he told her he wants to kill everybody in the town all the time, every time, and that's all he thinks about every day. And then she banged him just because he was that fucking cool. Now I know what you're thinking. Nobody this smart, athletic, handsome, resourceful, and popular could ever be real. You must be thinking the bull is off the nickel. But I tell you true, I ain't talking just to move the wind around. No siree, this all happened. You would have thought I was from Missouri the way I used to scoff at this story. But I've changed. I've sainted. Harrison is the coolest, most interesting, and most believable, and least obnoxious high schooler that ever done walk God's green earth. The only thing that ever got the best of Harrison was a treadmill. But that's a story for another night. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> the treadmill, <laughs> the treadmill. I remember that. Oh dear! Remember that was the the only thing you had to worry about falling off a treadmill. Oh, oh boy! Oh, Keith and Cammy Travis. That's um, that's put me right up despite my uh, my bad throat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all I can can say is um, uh, bow to the master. Yeah. 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 Give this guy his own show. (laughs) Actually, no, because this podcast would be poorer without him. Yes. (laughs) Little gems like that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Travis. That's that's brilliant. Okay, so. that's it for the feedback. If uh, anyone out there wants to um, submit their thoughts, comments, opinions, complaints, criticisms, whatever to the podcast, you can. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a, a voicemail, as uh, so many of you do. You can also contact me on Twitter at dissectdexter and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash dissectingdexter. This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood. Both of us. Okay, so that's that's about it. We've uh, we've we've still gone long, haven't we? But uh, there was so much to talk about, um, and I think we've uh, I think we've covered everything. <laughs> I don't think there's any stone that we've uh, left unturned, except maybe a few of the rocks that Angela 
pulled off of uh, Iris's body. Um, too soon? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mike, before we uh, go off into the night, is um, would you like to uh, give a little plug for your your podcast? Uh, yeah. So freakinggeeks.com uh, is the website. We do the Freaking Geeks podcast. Uh, we review uh, movies and TV shows on there. Uh, I got different podcasts as well. Some of them are kind of done now, uh, mostly because the shows are done. Uh, we have a Friday Night Lights one, if you're a Friday Night Lights fan. Uh, uh, my co-host Sarah and I, we covered every single episode. We reviewed every single one. Uh, Hannibal, if you like the TV show Hannibal, we, we did that. That was the first podcast we ever did. So you can check that out. And there's uh, a tennis podcast and... Yeah, got a few things there, a few different podcasts that we've done over the years, and uh, you know we're still going strong. So, you know, hopefully you jump on and you enjoy it. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, Mike, thank you ever so much for for joining me tonight. It's uh, it's great to chat to you again, and uh, you're always a, a source of, of, of great comment and, and opinion about Dexter. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you being on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I mean, just jumping on and chatting about Dexter is, uh, well, it's always a good time. Yeah, and and when the show is as good as it's it's been, as good as it's been, it's uh, it's a pleasure, <laughs> absolute pleasure. Okay, so on that note, we will uh, we will go off quietly into the night, but we will be back, of course, in a week's time, and we'll be dissecting some more Dexter together. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Be healthy. Enjoy this uh, this build-up to the, the Christmas season. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye for now.